Welcome to Wine with HR. I'm Jules. Hey there, I'm Trish. Lawyers turned HR professionals. Through our company, Monarch Endeavors, we guide employers through their oh shit moments with their employees. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most common (laughs) and commonly frustrating HR problems while enjoying our favorite adult beverage, wine. So sit back, grab a glass if you choose, and join us as we think about and drink about all things HR. Welcome to Wine with HR, everyone. We are excited to bring you our very first episode with a guest. Today we have with us Chrissy Myers. She'll get to say hello in just a minute. Uh, Chrissy is a powerhouse in the HR and employee benefits field, and we are delighted to have her as our first guest. Chrissy has been in the field for over 30 years, so she's got a lot of knowledge to bring to you and provide services through two different companies, Clarity HR and AUI. Again, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about those, but just want to say welcome to the show, Chrissy. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what Clarity HR and AUI do for employers? Oh, well, Julie and Trish, I am so excited to be here. So thank you for allowing me to be a guest on Wine with HR. This is so exciting. Um, Like you said, I have um, two companies, AUI, uh, third generation family business turns 50 this year. We do employee benefits, so health insurance for small businesses, individuals. Yes, super excited. Founded by my grandmother. It's a great story. At some point in time, we can talk about it. Um, And then Clarity HR is our new startup, but Clarity turns five this year. It is small business HR for companies that don't have, don't want, or don't need a full-time HR person. And then in the meantime, I am also co-captain of Team Awesome Sauce. So when you have four people, three last names, a mom who builds businesses, and a dad who played team sports, you get a team name, team logo, purpose statement, all those fun things that go with building a business and building a family. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> team Awesome Sauce. That's amazing. Yes. yes follow it. Hashtag Team Awesome Sauce. You can follow what's going on That's in our family great. that way. So. Oh, Chrissy, I'm so glad that you are here. This is going to be a super exciting episode. Um, Julie and I have been talking about wanting to do episodes with guests. Guests, and I do 100% agree with her. You are the perfect first guest, especially since this is going to be right around <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, super excited. Thank you so much. So, Julie, should we get to our W-I-N-E? Absolutely. Uh, so, you'll get to learn much more about Chrissy as this episode progresses, including one of her latest projects, but we're going to make you wait for info on that one. But of course, you know that we're getting close to uh, the W-I-N-E of the episode. But before that, I'll actually let you know what we're talking about. So Trisha just alluded to it. uh, But we are going to be discussing romantic relationships in the workplace. We thought it was timely (laughs) since Valentine's Day just recently passed. So uh, it's going to be a great episode. It's called Love is in the air. Ooh, sing it, Jules. <laughs> That's all you get because it didn't sound half bad. Um, but before we get to that, we, of course, have to discuss the wine. So, Trisha, what are you drinking today? I am drinking tea. <laughs> um, I, I had uh, a little bit of oral surgery yesterday, and so I am not quite at the 24 to 48 hour mark that they said I had to wait. So today is a nice um, 
I don't know, it has passion flower and something mm. else in it. It's absolutely delicious. Um, but I, sadly, I won't be doing the wine um, with you. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but Julie, you know what I was thinking about as I was sitting here feeling sorry for myself? What? There's a question that I wanted to ask Chrissy that I forgot to ask. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> Chrissy, I know normally when I do my classes, I like to ask them uh, a warm up question to get to know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. So because I'm feeling sorry for myself, I'm going to change it up um, completely different than what you would be expecting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking I want the superpower of healing because I want to heal my mouth. So I could have a, a little bit of wine. So that's what I'm going to ask you. If you could have any superpower, well, what would it be and why? So there's always the typical, like, I would love to fly, but I would say <laughs> right. if we're talking about HR and being in that space and also being a small business owner, I would say the ability to know what someone is thinking would Ooh. be very helpful, Ooh. especially as we're thinking about those relationship questions that we may or may not have to ask as HR people. Yes. If we could know if someone's lying to us, that would be really helpful. <laughs> Wouldn't it though? <laughs> and so perfectly in time with our topic today. Yes. <laughs> well, Chrissy, what are you drinking? Speaking of uh, fun little things. So I am not a wine drinker. And given the fact that we were going to be talking about relationships and having to talk about all the things that are tea, I am also having an herbal tea. So oh. it's, uh, I figured chamomile was a good grounding thing to be consuming right now as we continue to talk about the potential stress that romantic <laughs> relationships in the workplace can cause. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here today. Yes, yes. They can be wonderful too. We'll talk about it. We will be spilling all the tea. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I am drinking wine because this topic makes me need wine. But uh -huh. <laughs> I am drinking a Chardonnay from uh, Deloche Vineyards, which is part of the Boissier collection. And I have newly been introduced to these by our wine sponsor of the episode, who is also a small woman-owned business here in Ohio. Uh, she owns, her name is Samantha Mercado, and she is the founder of Wine and Whiskey. So she has combined her passions for wine and whiskey, and she does private wine tastings at your home or office. And she also does corporate gifts. All of the wines are from the Boissier collection, which is out of France and Napa Valley. And so I am drinking this uh, Deloche Chardonnay. And I have to say, I normally am not a huge Chardonnay fan, but this is a 2019 Chardonnay from the Russian River Valley in Sonoma County. Trisha's like, ooh. <laughs> did you see me perk up? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> uh, and it is very, very nice. It's just a nice, smooth wine. It has notes of apple blossom and spring. Huh. So it's sort of, it made me today, I thought it's sunny outside and it feels like it's deceiving, you know, from inside my house, it seems warm. And I can almost pretend that we're in April. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, and I could be on a patio enjoying this lovely glass of wine with perhaps some 
seafood or a vegetarian dish. So, uh, so my initial taste is I am two thumbs up. So awesome. Yeah, nice. I'm jealous. Yes, and I will put the show notes for Samantha's contact uh, information. I will put Samantha's contact information <laughs> in our show notes. Um, seriously, I've only had two sips, Pete. That's not. <laughs> Thank you, Samantha. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so now that we got the W I N E out of the way, we're going to get to the W H I N E, which I already spoiled for you, is romantic relations in the workplace. And because you all know by now how much Trish loves her stats, I'm going to toss it over to her to get us started. Oh, you know, I do love my stats. Okay. Uh, this one, again, comes from a SHRM article. Uh, this came out in January of 2022. So 33% of employees have reported that they're currently involved or have been involved in a workplace romance. That is 6% higher than pre-pandemic numbers. Oh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> have had a crush on someone they work with. I don't believe that one. I bet you it's so, so much higher. (laughs) Totally agree. 35% have gone on a date with someone from their workplace. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. 84% say they respect or would respect their colleagues being in a workplace romance, which I found Mm. quite shocking. And then- It's a very high number. Right? Yeah. I think they're lying. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) And then 77% of those who have been in a workplace romance have not disclosed the relationship to their employer. So that was the part I was really, really excited about. Chrissy, are you shocked or surprised by any of these? Oh, not at all. (laughs) Other than the fact that I think people are lying about, yeah, I'm totally okay if people date in a workplace. (laughs) That's a lie. Um, I'm not surprised by the increase in relationships, given how much time individuals are spending at work and how long it has taken some of us to continue to venture out more into the world and commit into other things as opposed to just work post-pandemic. And I'm not surprised about the workplace part in, in, in judgment and thought. So, yeah. No, these don't surprise me. Julie, do they surprise you? (laughs) The one that surprised me was the 77% don't tell their employer, which it didn't surprise me that they didn't tell their employers because I get that. But the fact that 77% 77% of people surveyed admitted that they, don't yeah. <laughs> they were totally lying on the other one, but they were very honest in that Exactly. Exactly. So I'm sure that everybody listening uh, understands that relationships in the workplace while they sometimes do lead to happy marriages and wonderful things, a lot of times they become a sticky, icky mess uh, and present a lot of challenges for the employer, for coworkers, and for the people involved in the relationship. So Chrissy, what are some of the challenges you have seen come up for employers when employees become romantically involved? Oh, Julie, there are so many. <laughs> 
for those people She's like, that how are much happy. do we have for this podcast? <laughs> <I know. laughs> Can this be four parts? Um, first, I would say those happy people, congratulations. I feel like if we're really going to be honest in stats, you're like the 1%. So yeah. good job. <laughs> that said, there's the, the secret relationship, even though we say we disclose or we don't disclose. That happens. The amount of time lost in productivity because individuals are trying to super sleuth whether or not someone is or is not in a relationship, that's fun. The office romance of the executive and the executive assistant, like how many soap operas and reality TV shows do we see because of this? But it's so true. Happens a lot more frequently than probably anybody would care to admit. Um, team members that travel a lot together, whether they are or not in a relationship, the amount of baby mama drama that can come from that travel. And then there's the communication and team dynamics change. I don't know if you have all been in a meeting where people are dating and they're arguing outside of work and it transfers into the marketing meeting. Do you like this idea? No, I don't like this idea. And it's back and forth and you're a hostage. There's so many things. Did they get the promotion because they're dating? Did you hire that person because you had an existing relationship with them? Oh my gosh, the amount of just things we could talk about. And that's just mine. So I would love to hear yours too. I have to pick up on the two two that you mentioned. Bringing the drama into the workplace um, is the first one. Like I can remember uh, one of my jobs when I was younger, and the boss was dating one of my coworkers. Mm. Yeah, I know this makes you all cringe, <laughs> um, and me as well. Like it, it just it was so bad, and the. The questions that came up when she would get priority over other people. And and by the way, she was a very, very hard worker. She was very good at her job, but you couldn't help but say, is she getting, people would talk about it all the time. Is she getting these priority positions or jobs or whatever you want to call them because of the relationship or is it because she really deserves it? So that was, that is one that popped up when you, when you were talking just a second ago. And then the drama that came from that, because when they were fighting, holy smokes, you did not want to be anywhere near the two of them. Like you would make yourself scarce because you did not know if you were going to be the next one in one of their lines of fire. And so it, it was horrible. And then you'd have the people on the other side going, well, I'm treated unfairly because he's doing this for her or that for this person. And uh, it, it's just, just horrible. Yeah. And then it can get super complicated if the relationship goes sour and one person accuses the other person of sexual harassment. Yes. Because then we've got legal liability that is potentially there, plus just the mess of trying to figure out whether somebody is being sexually harassed or they're just on a revenge tour. It's always so, consensual until it isn't. That's what exactly. I teach my classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... So most certainly romantic relationships provide challenges when they are in the workplace. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. 
So we want to, as we always do, provide our listeners with some tips and tricks for how to handle these challenges. So Chrissy has given us some great steps. So I'm going to just say them and then we're going to discuss them one by one. So her four main tips were create a policy before the issue occurs, create a culture of clear communication, address conflicts of interest, and deal with romantic relationships involving supervisors and their subordinates. So those are all super important. And like we said, we're going to talk through each one of them. So let's start with creating a policy before the issue occurs. I love the advice of being proactive, Chrissy, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about specifically what you mean by that? Yes. So there's a phrase that my dad used to say, and he is not, he was never in HR, but it was, we're all friends until we're not, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) which I think is really important because a lot of times entrepreneurs, small business owners, especially go, I don't really like having rules. I don't want to have to think about this until maybe it happens. Like, let's just wait. Like, I don't want to be defined. I don't want to figure this out ahead of time. Like, we'll just address the challenge when it comes up. This is not one of those challenges that you wait for. This is one of those we are going to have an established policy around. Do we allow relationships in the workplace? Do we have a fraternization or a non-fraternization policy? So it's really starting to have that conversation as a business. And what are you willing to tolerate? And if you're a family business and husband and wife work together, it makes it a little difficult. If you have like, you got to talk through what will we and won't we allow because it's really kind of hard if you met at work and you got married and now you work together to say, and now no one can do that. No one's saying that you can't date in the workplace. We're just saying there are going to be rules around it. We're going to disclose it. We're going to make sure that you are not a subordinate or that you do not directly report to the individual that you are dating. If your peers It gets a little awkward maybe for your manager, but that's a whole nother level of coaching and and thought process. This is really that, that policy for me, especially you need to make sure that you address if there is a hierarchy within that relationship professionally, how it can occur and cannot occur. Ooh, I love totally that. agree. Yeah, I'm jumping in, Trish. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that that's very important. I think one of the other things for peer-to-peer relationships to have in a policy, because I agree, you can't tell people not to get involved with each other because no. they're going to. But I think an important thing, and this goes for peer-to-peer and uh, supervisor to subordinate, but to have something in your policy that says, if this becomes disruptive to the workplace, yes, then you know you one of you may be asked to leave, because I th- I have seen a lot of situations where the coworkers are so uncomfortable because sort of like Trisha said, these people are coming to work, they're fighting, they're screaming at each other, or they're all over each other, can't keep their hands off each other. Whatever the situation is, it's uncomfortable to the point that it is making it difficult for other people to work. And so I think it's really important to have that in a policy so that people know up front, look, or, you know, I had a situation where somebody's, there were three people that worked for the same employer, uh, husband and wife, wife was cheating with another employee, another married employee, husband found out about it, told the other employee's wife, who didn't work at the company was the only one who didn't. 
the other wife like blasted everybody on Facebook. Like it turned this workplace upside down, just the drama of it all. And it's like, no, <laughs> just, just no. Like, <laughs> so you got to have a policy that says that kind of stuff. No, not, not okay. Mm-hmm. You will get fired. <laughs> Great TV show. Yeah. Awful reality. <laughs> yes. Great TV show. <laughs> Great novel. <laughs> Yes. So Trisha, I'm sorry. I jumped in when you were going to say something. So the floor is yours. No, I I was just going to agree with Chrissy uh, exactly about what she was saying with the policies. I love that. Um, I also want to ask her a question about uh, the creating the culture of communication. As everyone who listens knows, Julie and I always talk about communication and how incredibly important it is, whether it's from the C-suite down or from the management to management, management to subordinates, coworker to coworker, whatever it is, communication is key. It's the way to keep yourself out of trouble. So Chrissy, can you explain to us what you mean by creating a culture of communication when it comes to relationships. Yes. So I would say primary is now it's hard to argue with a definition. So we've defined it in policy. And then it's creating that environment of we can solve any issue that arises as long as we communicate about it. Let's talk about disclosure. Now, sometimes that means that we have to change employment. But really, if we talk about it, we know that we can solve for any type of issue or we can just be aware. Because what you don't want is that secrecy within the the organization, because that is really what can, can harm your culture. The other thing about communication is I know in a lot of different types of management style and, and communication requirements, it says you need to tell someone 10 times. I don't think you need to be the relationship police. Like you don't need to go every day going, is anybody dating? Are you dating? Are you dating? Do you like that person? Are you attracted to that person? No. What we're saying no. is it's no, it's building that culture of communication, which doesn't have to necessarily apply to just relationships. It's about a culture of communication within the organization as a whole. So they're comfortable coming to you no matter what it's about is exactly what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Whether it's, I mean, it's, it could be a workplace issue. It could be a PTO question and it could be, I think I might want to date the head of IT, in which case you go, do you really want them to do that? They can read all your emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one relationship you don't want to go bad. No. They have no. all, all the info. All the dirt. <laughs> and, and also you, you may want to make sure that that person is not your office super sleuth. So yes. that tends to be where, yes, where that dissension can lie. So right. yes, yes. Well, and I think that that's a, a great point. I think the other important part of creating a culture of communication is that you are also creating that culture for the employees who might be uncomfortable with something that is happening. So, so if a relationship is becoming toxic and disruptive they feel comfortable enough coming to HR and saying, hey, look, I'm fine with these two people dating, but they got to keep it out of the workplace, you know, Um, because a lot of times you don't hear about it until something really big happens. And then you find out, oh, yes, everybody's been complaining about this to the manager for the last six months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So key. You nailed it. Yep. (laughs) So moving on to your fourth step, which is addressing conflicts of interest. Why don't you explain to us what that, what you mean by that? So when we talk about conflicts, I think there are three P's we need to think about specifically. They are 
promotion, performance, and projects. So when we're talking about addressing conflicts, it's having clear guidelines around those three things. So if someone has a conflict, they need to remove themselves from that decision. So this is kind of why we have HR. So if we're talking about having a conflict of interest around performance or promotion or a key project deadline, those would be the times when you're in relationship with someone notifying HR so that they know, is there the potential for an issue to arise? And then how do we communicate and solve around it? Should it become a another P, which is problem? Hmm. Chrissy, the last one. <laughs> the most challenging, the one that we've kind of alluded to when we're talking about each of the other ones um, is this relationship between supervisor and subordinates. And my head keeps going back to what Julie was saying and, and what I always think of, which is the legal issues that we could face because of those relationships and that it's consensual until it's not. Um, so I'm, I'm so, so curious to hear you talk about this one as well. <laughs> Oh, well, first, let's talk about some of those large organizations that have suffered as a result of failure to disclose subordinate relationships. Um, Boeing, Uber, Pricewaterhouse, CBS, McDonald's, all of them have had large lawsuits, giant PR fallout because of some of, some of the things that they did. New York Times is another one. That's great. Let's not disclose a relationship and then it'll be all over the oh. front page of our paper. Um, <laughs> Fascinating read happened in 2020. It was with their editorial board. So not to not to traumatize everyone and thinking like, oh my gosh, but sometimes workplace romance happens. And I would say initially, if someone says, what should we do about it? Or should we think about it? I would say, don't do it. Don't have a relationship. But at the same time, you can't, you can't block love. This is a romance. I mean, yeah. not everything is a romance novel, but I mean, sometimes it does happen and there are people that meet and they fall in love and they have a wonderful relationship and this is their happily ever after. So I don't want to be the romance police and squash everybody that wants to fall in love. That's not it. I think sometimes HR gets the stick for being the, I mean, the fun police. Totally. But I would say when you think about what to do as far as like, you know, challenging between supervisors and subordinates, communication is extremely important there and do not hide it. Because when we hide it, we create problems and chaos. There's nothing to be ashamed about because I would look at this, this potential as, you know, it's going to go right. Let's not look at what could go wrong. Let's look at what could go right because we're going to disclose it. And then everything we can kind of navigate. And the other part I would say for, for those supervisors is when you disclose, do not think that you don't have a conflict of interest. It's perfectly fine for me to continue to manage this person. Oh, no, it's not. That can't happen. And I think that if you, if you are telling yourself that you can be impartial, you're lying to yourself. And I think that HR, if you are telling yourself that you think this person could potentially handle this situation well, I think you're also being naive. And clearly you haven't had enough relationship trauma in the workplace. <laughs> to try to <laughs> It's just pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so I, of course, am going to go off script because uh, I have a question for the two of you Ooh. because I have seen this happen. So I have my thoughts on it, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So if you have a policy of disclosure, what can you do to encourage people to disclose who may be married and have started an extramarital affair with someone at work? possibly to whom reports to them, or maybe it is a 
same-sex relationship, and they are nervous about how that is going to be received, and so they are worried about disclosing it uh, to the company for fear that that might get out. I'm looking at their faces. They are like, why did you do this to us? I was okay. gonna say I have like hi Trish. You go first. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, because um, I don't want to touch the extramarital one with a ten foot pole. I would much rather go to the same sex one. I am totally good at answering that. Um, here's the bottom line: Are you a company that uh, puts inclusivity first? Right. That is always going to be my question. If you do put inclusivity first, and you have this culture that we've been talking about of communication. I'm hoping that that's not going to be the reality for someone. But I, if you think it is, if you're not sure, then I would make sure that when you're having these conversations, you don't just address the, the heterosexual relationships. You know, make sure that you're including the all types of relationships um, when you're having these conversations so that people know and, and use that language that allows people to understand that when you say that you're inclusive, that you actually mean it and that you're not going to tolerate any sort of treatment that violates their rights or that just violates being a good human. There's my answer. I love Trisha's answer. And I'm also a little angry that now she gave me extramarital affair. Um, <laughs> See, that's why I said I was good for going first. <laughs> you fell into the trap, I Chrissy. Did. Oh, this happens. This is how I get in trouble. Okay, so what I would say first is there is a difference between disclosure and discretion. So we can still be discreet in communication and what we we do and do not need to do as it relates to addressing conflicts of interest and those types of things. I would also say that as the HR person or as the person who's handling the policy around relationships, your duty is to the organization. So primarily it is how do I protect the organization? And sometimes it means we have to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, I would say that this is probably a 10 out of 10 conversation that could be very uncomfortable and having yes. wine at the end of the day after you have it probably makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing that I would say is that when you're talking about extramarital affair and you're talking about some of the things that could be not necessarily positive for a relationship that has a legal contract, just know that there is a possibility that whether you do or do not disclose, you could still get subpoenaed in divorce proceedings. So it doesn't really matter. You're going to have to disclose it one way or the other. So I would say, take care of the organization, be grateful and, and show appreciation for the person that was willing to disclose for you and then determine what level of discretion you need to have within the organization itself. Ooh, see, the mic drop. That was amazing. <laughs> Come on, Chrissy, you nailed that. <laughs> you got, you both did great. And I appreciate, I appreciate both of your answers. And I would agree with both of you. I think from the extramarital affair standpoint, where I have sort of come to terms with this is the likelihood that they're going to tell you is slim to none because they already know they're doing something wrong. But that's why you have the policy. And that's why you have created the culture of communication, because at least then when it blows up, because it will, mm -hmm. you at least can go back to the policy and say it was your duty to disclose. So 
you at least have that. <laughs> no doubt. The other, <laughs> the other thing is creating that culture of communication. I think being proactive about those hard conversations is important too. So when you do manager training or when you have discussions with managers, it's okay to say, listen, if you're going to go outside your marriage, that is your choice. Don't do it with somebody who works for or with you. You've got Tinder, you've got Bumble, <laughs> you've got whatever the heck else ones are out there. Like, good Lord, the access is free and plentiful. Go someplace yeah. else. <laughs> yes, there are billions of people on the planet. Pick more from the, yeah, you don't need these 50. No, another one. no, no. And you especially don't need the one that's like on your eight member team, you know, like, come on. Uh, so anyway, and then I thought, Trisha, your point about inclusion is beautiful. I think we just need to be cognizant that there may be reasons people are very nervous about divulging or disclosing a relationship. And For so sure. part of the policy should also say that HR will use discretion and only the people who need to know will be notified. Excellent. And that can help as well. For those of you who keep hearing us talk about difficult conversations, difficult conversations, if you have not listened to our episode on difficult conversations, go back to last season and do so. It's a great one. Absolutely. Okay, so we gave you a lot of information. We gave you some great tips. I said at the beginning of the show that we had an exciting announcement from Chrissy. So she recently became a published author. Thank you. Her new book, Reluctantly Resilient, is available now. Uh, Chrissy, that's amazing. All of us have the dream of publishing a book and you actually did it. So tell us a little bit about the book and where listeners can find it. Yes. Yeah, so Reluctantly Resilient, you can find it on Amazon in both print and Kindle. Audiobook is coming soon. Um, and I just found out yesterday that I am now also a best-selling author <gasps> on Amazon in print and in Kindle. So yes, thank you very much. So life lessons in, in transitioning a family business, sometimes running into the storms that we don't necessarily want to, but because we have to, it's kind of like a hug and a high five for small oh, business owners. I love it. I'm going to order it today. Thank you. We will put the information in the link in the show notes, and we'll also have them on our social media sites in the coming weeks. So be sure to look out for those. Trish, uh, how's your tea? <laughs> you know what? It kept me exactly as Christy said. I felt like it kept me nice and calm during these conversations. I kind of tend to get a little excited um, when we get talking about this topic because it can be just so, so dangerous for our companies out there. Um, but I feel pretty chill. <laughs> what about you, Jules? Uh, this wine is still lovely. It's actually getting better. Um, so I, I enjoy it quite immensely. So thank you again, Samantha from Wine and Whiskey. Uh, I have found a Chardonnay I actually really like. <laughs> I'm so excited to try it. <laughs> I know. So Chrissy, is your chamomile tea? It was a good choice. Oh, absolutely. I feel very <laughs> calm and grounded. I'm not reliving a lot of the residual trauma from dealing with relationships in the workplace. <laughs> Although I am. The second I think I can drink, I'm going to because it's all coming back. 
All right. With that, we really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to check out our show notes for info on Chrissy's book and both of her companies. And as always, if you have recommendations for topics or wine, please reach out and remember to subscribe to Wine with HR. Easy for me to say, and I haven't even had a sip. (laughs) Wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to follow us on social media so you never miss an episode. And again, thank you, Chrissy. And cheers. 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 (laughs) 